You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. What exactly makes Beyonce the queen bee? How do we feel about Ariana Grande's use of rap vernacular? And most importantly, what's better, chamomile or spiced chai? We ponder all of this and more on Hot Tea Hot Takes, now a part of the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Our show is just two friends drinking tea and discussing music, culture, politics, and anything else that comes to mind. We cover everything from Mozart to Megan Thee Stallion. New uploads are posted weekly. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye. What is up, teens? That's how I talk now. I use slang. This is Reese Roper, one of your hosts here at the Joe and Reese's Pickle and Boot Shop, a diabolical brainwashing machine. This is the part of the show where I give a little disclaimer about what is about to be said to you. Hide the kids. Hide your wife. Anyway, we're doing this top 20 of our favorite albums, which is extremely narcissistic. And we only make it through number six. So number seven, and then we have six left because I'm so dumb. We can't figure out math. So we have another episode of this crap that you have to listen to later. Sorry about that. Uh, Basically, this episode confirms that I am gay and don't know it. I forgot to listen to the album Working Man's Dead by the Grateful Dead after Joe told me. Joe talks about his friend's quote unquote big deck joe says the songs will get into you just like his wiener and then i call roger taylor from queen my favorite band roger dalton who is the singer of the who because i'm an idiot the pickle and boost shop everybody i hope you hate it Gents, we are back with another episode 28. We are going to continue, uh, you guys, with our countdown of our 20 favorite albums. Hopefully are we already up to episode 28? Yeah, I think we're on 28 right now. That's crazy. Yeah. So, wow. you guys, hopefully, over the last week, you've maybe heard something that uh, Reese and I, like an album that Reese or I said that you guys have been mm-hmm. listening to. Feel free to jump on the Diabolical Discussion or message us uh, either at Patreon or Instagram. Let us know what you thought of those albums. I want to know what you guys think of the Parka Kings. Again, P-A-R-K-A Kings, the Parka Kings. Uh, Let me know what you guys think of them, if you can find them on the intranets, on the webs. Yeah. Uh, And let me know about that because I'm interested to see what people outside of, like, the local scene think of them. So I think we're going to be starting on number 14 right now. I know we thought this would be like 10 an episode. We do two episodes, but we only did five, mostly because I was talking about 12-year-old boys showing each other their penises. Yeah. We did get through six. We went 20 to 15. 
So that's oh, six. Oh, that's six? Yeah. You're right. So, so we're starting on 14 right now. We're going to try and do 14 through, well, we're going to see how far we can get. Hopefully okay. we can do 14 through six, and then maybe that's, we can save our top five for something. That's a lot, Joe. I know. I have lofty, lofty expectations. Yeah. So I'll start it. So this next one, uh, this little outfit from Chicago, the first album I ever had of theirs was their greatest hits. And so their greatest hits were all their albums put on Mm. one album. And that is Slapstick out of Chicago. Their green album where it just says Slapstick across the cover. It's green and it's everything that they ever did. So, like, it's all their seven inches. It's their one, like, little um, LP that they did, all of that. And then when they were putting out this album, they went back in. And for just this album, they recorded two songs. I believe they recorded Earth Angel and Alternative Radio. Yeah. Um, for, for just this album. And so that... Um, I remember we we were playing outside of Chicago and we had friends that came and um, one of them gave Bram this CD. So Bram was kind of listening to it, said something about it, and and I popped it in and I loved it. To this day, uh, Slapstick is one of my favorite bands of all time. Slapstick went on to be um, uh, the Lawrence Arms uh, guys in Slapstick went on to be an Alkaline Trio, uh-huh. um, the Broadways, mm-hmm. um, d- different bands that, that the guys have all branched out. And what's amazing about Slapstick is these guys were high schoolers. Yeah. They were That's high the schoolers. problem. Yeah. Like they had no idea how good they were because it was their first band. They yes. were just like, oh, well, I think I think we can do better. But they were so good. Like any ska band at the time, like any third wave ska band had that as an influence. They yeah. were so good. Yeah. They, I would have put that album in my top top 20 for sure, except the production bothers the crap out of me. The production is very, very difficult to listen to. Um, yeah. I don't know where. It sounds like they recorded it in a tin can, it like does. in a silo. And uh, in an empty silo, they recorded. It sounds awful. The, the, the two, the Earth Angel and Alternative Radio that were recorded for that album sound good. Uh-huh. Everything else is, is very hard to swallow, but it's worth it. Like you have to. In fact, one of the songs was playing on a mix that I had at the gym the other day at work. And so we, like one song comes on and let's just say the volume was at four. Mm-hmm. And then the slapstick song starts. And you have to turn the volume up to like nine. Yeah. And then the next song comes on and it's blaring about blows the speakers. and You got to turn it back down to, you know, four. So the production value is terrible. But those songs on there are amazing. And yeah, I mean, uh, Dan, the bass player, uh, who's now the bass player for Alkaline Trio. He's freaking amazing. I've, I've heard like interviews with him and then Brendan. Uh, Brendan Kelly, I believe, the the lead singer who's now the lead singer of the Lawrence Arms. Like, just listening to them, just like you said, they were in high school. They had no clue how good they were. Yeah, one of those guys is in Blink-182. Uh, no, that's Skiba. 
Skiba. It's Matt Skiba. He wasn't yeah. in. He wasn't in slapstick. He okay. was not in slapstick. No, he's he's from Alkaline Trio, and uh, I believe he was in Tuesday. All right. I think he was he was in Tuesday with uh, with the dude from with Dan from from slapstick. But yeah, so that Green album slapstick is freaking amazing. Um, the the song Crooked. Um, the uh, uh, metalhead in the parking lot, like all that are they are just great. And the the crazy thing again, they were high schoolers that were writing this. And I had always heard that like Brendan Kelly would get on a bus. He didn't have anything to do. He would get on a bus. He would in Chicago, and he would go to like whatever the the main like bus station is there. Grand Central yeah. Station, whatever. He would get on a bus and he would just ride the bus all day long, seeing different people get on the bus, get off the bus, fights that were go- going on, people talk just about to stuff. Write and, songs. And then he would just write. He would just ride the bus <laughs> so all day. Man. Just ride the bus all day and write songs as a high schooler. Dude, I I totally fought myself i didn't even put this in the honorable mentions because the production bothers me so much but it's so good and it's so influential to so many ska bands yeah and punk bands it was so good like third wave ska you're gonna be like any band they're gonna be like yeah op ivy this this green album or you know, like, or slapstick, but like that green album, I think is what everybody had. Cause yeah, you know, not everybody collected all the seven inches and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So influential. So good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Choice. Hit, hit me with your 14th. 14th. This means war by the band Petra. Oh, I, it was very influential to me. I can listen to this album straight through. It would have been higher except there's two, kind of crap songs on it i am available and there's like get on your knees i think it's called and fight like a man it's too too dirty sounding it's also not that good but the other songs like (laughs) get on your knees and fight like man (laughs) yes the other songs are freaking epic like it it's good like power pop i think petra in the early days got compared to like a lot of times people were just like yeah it's the christian journey they're ripping off journey Mm, like i don't think journey has an album as good as this so if they were they succeeded it's so good it's so tough um i remember just like being at one of those amusement park shows and like it was towards the end of five iron, like the last year and Petra, I really stopped listening to them after two albums after this, you know, just cause I wasn't into it anymore. But I remember being at this show and just kind of like dipping around backstage. I don't remember what I was doing, trying to get things, you know, water or whatever to go on stage and boobs, boobs, trying to get boobs. No. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I threw you for a loop turned. there. Yeah, I know. I'm like, nah. <laughs> You're I, like, wait, was, was I thinking about boobs? I was like, was I? No, I mean it's probably subconsciously, absolutely. But um, I just turned around, and there was um, like John Schlitt, the singer, 
And I I was surprised because I had no idea Petra was even playing this thing. And he, I don't know if he knew our band or he thought I was like one of the guys in Audio Adrenaline or something. But he was just like, hey, man, how are you? And like shook my hand and like patted me on the back. And I was just like, again, like an idiot, just like, oh, hey, dude, like, like I remember seeing you at the Paramount in Denver and just losing my freaking mind. Just like this band is so cool, so good. They had like their keyboard player had a guitar and he would play this solo. It was like off to the, their live album and he would play this solo and somehow it sampled like this is late 80s sampled. You know, this, this technology was new sampled. Somebody recorded Jesus Loves You on a sampler and he'd like play this on a guitar and then it would be like Jesus Loves You, Jesus Loves You. <laughs> It was so corny, but so cool, man. I was like 12, and I was just like, yeah, Jesus is cool. Thanks, Petra. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so good. This album is amazing. Is that the album? The only Petra song I know is I used to listen to the album. um, It was the first Christian Christian tape that I was ever given. My mom gave Mm -hmm. me. And it was Petra, and it was the one that had the song, It is Finished, and the sky, and the sky grew black as, as the night. It is finished. No, that's Greg X. Vols, I think. He was the singer before John Schlitt. Okay. So they're fr- they had one album before that. I think that that might be Beat the System, which is also amazing. Petra was amazing. Like they have some really good songs and it's, it's, it's hard, you know, like you got to distance yourself from some of the corniness. Like if Jesus loves you on a guitar sounds corny to you. This fine. might not be but the like, album for you. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, broom, broom, cock, broom, broom, cock. it sounds like it starts out like, Dude, they had to record these, like, just layer the toms on it, like, 50 times. But, like, it's like, this means war. Oh, man, it's so tough sounding. Like, uh, I I mean, again, nostalgic for me, but it's so good. Everybody should listen to it. It is just an amazing power pop album. And if... If you have any nostalgic feelings towards it, it just like grabs your heart. I remember just being 11 and 12 and hearing this and just losing my mind. Like, this is so awesome. And I remember telling Keith, I was like, that girl sounds so good. (laughs) And he was like, no, that's guys sing like this. And I was like, oh, I'll forgive it. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. This means war, Petra. All right, moving on to number 13. Before we get to 13, I got to pee so bad. Okay, go pee. Okay, a little break here. All right. All right, you guys. Reese is going to pee, so you get me for uh, another little interlude that will probably get edited out again. Um, Yeah, 
So I'm sitting here. Uh, it looks like in his basement, he has since put up a janky tarp behind him to block out the rest of his basement. But he has like a janky tarp up and a ladder that in order to get to where he is, he has to crawl under the, like through the A-frame of the ladder. Um, yeah. But I'm just sitting here looking at my stuff. Hope, hopefully you guys will listen to some of this. Hopefully, uh, you know, when you hear it, I know Reese has mentioned a couple of albums that I'm going to, I'll probably listen to this week, um, you know, out of curiosity, some of that Petra stuff. But listen to it. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can always get a hold of us. We have lots of good conversations on the Diabolical Discussion page and lots of people always Instagramming me. Uh, DMing me on Instagram. Uh, again, let me know what you think of that stuff. And if you guys have the the whole reason we're doing this episode, these episodes here of the top top, you know, our top lists are because a listener said, "Hey, how about how about you do that? I'd like to know this and that, and pick your guys' brains." So that's why we're doing it. So if you guys ever have questions or anything like that, feel free to let us know because we need to know topics to talk about on the show. A lot of times we're busy throughout the week, and so trying to figure stuff out is what we got to do. And he's back. You went. Oh, you you grabbed. The, are you gonna do some ASMR? You're gonna eat a a <laughs> granola bar in the microphone. Uh huh. Let everybody hear it. Your lips smacking yeah. with it. No, that was my plan. <laughs> All right. So number thirteen on the list for me uh-huh. is. Hello, Rockview. Less than Jake. Oh my gosh, that made my my that made my um, my honorable mentions. Did it? I think that's I love that album. Great, another iconic cover. Um, whoever did the artwork for that, fa- fantastic, uh, fantastic artist. Just to have that like fifties, like that fifties almost clip art look to it, and mm-hmm. um, the just from like right off the rip the um uh oh my gosh what's the what's the is it the lead track let me look it up real quick hello rock view edit this little part out because this is gonna be too much time here yeah um is it all my best friends are metalheads yep that is such a good song like an amazing song just yeah. talk to this girl. Yeah. Used to live, yeah, on my street. Wow. Yeah. Such a fantastic song, but Hello Rockview. Less than Jake is a band that I've always I've always loved. I got into them um when Losing Streak came out. Mm-hmm. And so it was I, I got in on Losing Streak. And I think Hello Rockview was the next one after Losing Streak, I think. Uh-huh. It was kind of yes. like their 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 first major their major release where they had some like good fun capital. Yeah. And capital. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love the Dude that produced it went on to produce like everyone. Oh, did he? Yeah. He, he was like big, not big, but minor in the eighties. He produced like bang tango and some metal bands and then had nothing for a while. And then losing streak kind of pushed him into the mainstream again. And then he was doing like, crazy things like not uh, shoot 
I'm trying to think who all he produced. It was like, it might have been like Blink-182 and a lot of pop bands. He got huge. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, so Hello Rockview, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. We're always honest with each other on this show. You had mentioned that you're going to be on Chris DeMakes' podcast. Well, that's what Leonor told me. She was like, hey, he's asking you to be on it, and I haven't contacted him yet. <laughs> I would totally do it, and I'm jealous. And if you can, if he ever completely runs out of content or people to talk to, tell him, give him my number. I would love to be on that show. I will. And – like he, you, you talk about being like starstruck when you get around people. That's a dude who, less than Jake, we never played with. We never got to play oh. with them. Um, I've seen them live. They just, I just love that band. I love everything mm-hmm. about Less Than Jake. They're they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And they just same. Excuse me. They just continue to put out good stuff. Like even the older they get, like they're still just putting out like good music. Yeah, they just put out a new album last year. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 They, they do really good stuff. So uh, Hello Rockview was definitely one where uh, that was uh, Bram got that one as well. A lot of my music, I didn't really buy music when the Insiders was going on. It was always like whatever free stuff you could get. And yeah. I, was, I, I was always like saving for a wedding or doing something. So I didn't want to spend $18. You know, that's what CDs were back then. I didn't want to spend like eight, 15 to 18 bucks for a CD, but Bram would. So we'd be in some city, and me and Bram would go to like the Sam Goody or the, you know, the the Best Buy, and we would like look at all those like new kind of like punk pop releases and, and stuff like that. And he had picked up that album, and I think yeah. it was like laying around in the in the tour bus, and I picked that up, started listening to it, and that was one that at that moment, similar to Slapstick, um, whenever I think of of driving around in the tour bus those were the the two main ones that i would listen to on my my disc man you know my my portable cd player was yeah was those two albums and i would just listen to them nonstop. i'd fall asleep to hello rock view just listen 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 all the time i loved that album such a great album. it's so good yeah <laughs> agreed and when they it's came so good when they came through detroit um i forget I think it was less than Jake and the Dropkick Murphys, Uh I think. Um, And what they would do is they would come out and they had like a big Wheel of Fortune wheel. And they would spin the Wheel of Fortune wheel and whatever album it landed on, they would only play songs from that album at the show. And so when they did that, in, are you kidding? Yeah, and when they did that in Detroit, it landed on Hello Rockview, and so they played all all the songs that they played were were Hello Rockview songs, and so it was awesome. I can't imagine being in a band that good, or like being that good of a singer. You know, like we play sixteen songs, and it's hard for me to like after practicing for a month to remember all those words, you know, like to have that kind of recall, but like to just be like, Oh, that album. All right, let's do it. No way. (laughs) Right. Like no one in our band could do it. Yeah. No, same, same here. So what's, what's your 13? Oh man. So 13 for me, this is, this is going to confirm that I'm gay. Just in case it's voulez-vous. 
by ABBA. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, straight up. Um, I didn't, it's not a perfect album. And this is where I fudged a little on the rules, Joe. But like ABBA is, I like that you're disgusted with me. ABBA is probably like one of my biggest influences. I think that Bjorn and Benny are musical geniuses. And this, like for me, is probably my favorite. If we were picking greatest hits, um, I might say ABBA, but like some of their hits I'm not into. They're not the best. This song, but like this album has songs like I Have a Dream, Angel Eyes. Part of this is like, my dad would listen to this when I was a kid nonstop. And so there's a lot of, um, a lot of nostalgia for me in it, but it's, those guys are geniuses. And those, those, the two ladies, Agnetha and Agfried, they didn't speak English. I don't know if they do yet. You know, like they're, they're making a new album or they have a new album out or coming out. They would just write it out phonetically, like the, the two dudes that wrote all the music, and they would sing it. And so sometimes you can just hear their heavy Swedish accent coming across, and they have no idea what they're singing. It's, it's so awesome. I love ABBA. I, I'm not going to rip you for loving, uh-huh. loving a band. I, I've, I've outgrown that. Uh-huh. And I, I completely understand the nostalgic end of it because there are there are definitely bands that i grew up listening to from my parents that just it takes you back to that time of Hmm. being in the you know being in the in the truck in the back seat heading up north you know parents drinking coffee in the front seat and you know kind of like blue comb uh you know your parents are up front when they loved each other still you know Mm -hmm. and those are like the memories that that i have so i understand i would i would never criticize that as far as like I, i mean Abba's considered disco, right? Some other stuff. Some of it's kind of folky and some of it's kind of, it's just pop. Yeah, I, I've just, I've never been an Abba person. You don't like disco? No. no. Really? I can't do it. Like, okay. Abba, the Bee Gees, oh, KC man, the and Bee Gees the are Band. so good. KC and the Sunshine Band, like, I can't do that stuff. That stuff made that, that grates on me. It's like doing Some a sternum of, rub. I can, I get it. Like, it's like listening to late 90s pop. Like, when you're listening to Backstreet Boys and them. Um, I, could li- I could listen to and sync over it. Some of it, you're just like, ugh, this is disgusting. But, but some of it is they're good songs in there and it's amazing production and there's amazing uh you know musicianship but like you listen to the Bee Gees dude like it's there's like a couple incarnations of the Bee Gees there's like before disco which is phenomenal like they were trying to sound like the Beatles and there's just some amazing stuff but like they're disco stuff. Like you might just be like, I'm still sick of disco. I don't want to listen to that. But if you listen to um, like the Bee Gees album, main course, the musicianship is amazing. The harmonies are incredible. And it was before auto tune. Like 
it might have been before multi-tracking. ABBA got a bad rap in the time because it was when they could first do multi-tracking. So they could track like 16 tracks. And so the, the ladies were just layering their voice. Joe, it's so good. If you listen to the harmonies, it's so good. The songs are so good. Like what you hear are the hits that made the radio. I feel about the way you feel about the Beatles. The way I feel about the Beatles is they made amazing songs. They were groundbreaking. Okay, then we don't feel the same. I'm angry at the Beatles because they, yeah, for quitting and not giving a shit about their fans. Yeah. Except for Ringo, he gives a shit. I'm sorry I brought that up. Then that's not how I think. I just I just can't stand disco. And I think the root of my issue is it's uh, what I like to call Grateful Dead syndrome. Mm-hmm. For 18 years of my life, I couldn't stand the Grateful Dead because I judged the Grateful Dead off of their fans. Uh-huh. So growing up, knowing about Woodstock, knowing about this hippie culture, I hate hippies. I hate hippies. I don't like the, the Dirty, nasty hippies. I don't like it. Can't stand it. And then knowing that the Grateful Dead, like the culture surrounding the Grateful Dead was like so hippie, I didn't like the Grateful Dead. I hadn't even heard one of their songs. But I did not like them because of their fans. When I think of disco, not only to me is it not good music, but I think of that Studio 54 that – white privilege frigging nonsense cocaine white privilege bedazzled jumpsuits mm-hmm. big hair oh i can't stand it. it makes me sick oh i can't stand it so i can't i can't get into the music that's associated with that all right that's fine i feel the same way about the grateful dead like there's, I've never met a hippie where I was like, this guy's a jerk. Like, they're all cool. They all love the Grateful Dead, and I can't stand jam music. Like, yeah. I have, like, a just a pure hatred of jam music because it's all radio stations and all clubs cared about in Colorado. I'm sure, Still yeah. do. Yeah. You know, like, so many good bands, you just be like, oh, that band's not going to go anywhere because it's Denver. Or Colorado, you know, like they're not playing the right kind of music, so they'd be like, "Well, they go, yeah, string cheese incident. They're gonna get huge. Ob gone bad. They're gonna be playing every Avalanche game. But then there's just like amazing, amazing Denver bands. And just like, well, nobody gives a crap because they're punk or because yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So. Yeah, because the, uh, I don't know if I cleared it up, but with the Grateful Dead, I do love the Grateful Dead now. A buddy of mine played it, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, who is this? He's like, it's a Grateful Dead, dude. And I was like, "Yeah, this is amazing. And I was like 18 years old, and I was like, this is fantastic. And it wasn't what I expected. And so to hear the music not filtered through the fans. Um, yeah. But again... Can't we do, talked about this. Like, you, I had the same reaction. I saw the Skull logo, and I was like, oh, cool, this is going to be metal. Or it's at least going to be hard. Yeah. But then it's like, no, yeah. it's not. Come here, Uncle John's band. 
it's it, it's like uh, it's like country music that never stops. <laughs> right. I do. <laughs> I do admit. I, I do uh, agree with you there. Like, <clears throat> I like the Grateful Dead albums because there's a beginning and an end to the song. Like to go to their concert where they play one song for 20 minutes, F that. Like, uh-huh. I got better things to do than that. But I like the songs that have a, a beginning and an end time, and that's usually around three to four minutes. Like, those are great. Uh, I'll t- All right, Joe, I'll make a deal. You tell me a Grateful Dead album to listen to, and I'll try it, and you'll listen to Voulez Vous by ABBA. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. We'll do that. Let. And we'll do it right now. So I'll, so voulez-vous, and then let's see, Grateful Dead, and what album, um, let's see, um, I want you to listen to, uh, Working Man's Dead. Okay. It's working the, Man's Dead, working, bringing it up. Working Man's iTunes. Dead album. But um, the song specifically is called Uncle John's Band. Okay. That's that's what I want you to listen to. Not not the whole album, just Uncle John's Band. It's number one. Okay. Yeah, li- listen to that. It just as oh, far- I'm surprised. They have a song on there that's only three minutes and 17 <laughs> seconds long. I'm I am shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, and I'll listen to Abba. Jeez. Yeah. All right. I you have to pronounce it like a Midwesterner, Abba. Abba. Everybody always is like, "Oh, you listen to Abba?" It's the same people that are like, "Oh, you're from Colorado?" And then you can tell if somebody's from there cuz they say Colorado or Mon- you know, they say Nevada. Cuz they're all they're they're all transplants from Chicago or Ohio or Michigan. <laughs> you listen to ABBA? ABBA? All right. All right. Number 12. Do it. Number 12, License to Ill by the Beastie Boys. Yes. Good choice. License to Ill by the Beastie Boys is my number 12. And that obviously being white kids growing up in the suburbs uh, in the 80s, um, we first got hit with like my first introduction to rap was run DMC and license to ill. And I liked the license to ill a little bit more cause it kind of had, it kind of had that, what I would later come to describe as like punk to it, you mm-hmm. know, like, like there were guitars on it and there were things like that. Yeah. Carrie King. Yeah. It's and, Carrie King from Slayer. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yeah. Was it was it's so was uh, uh playing instruments with the Beastie Boys? He was playing he I think he played the guitar on it. I thought uh I thought uh Ad Rock did. No, I think I think uh, I don't know, check somebody fact check me, but I think Carrie King played the guitar. Really? On that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Beastie Boys were awesome. I remember me and my buddies in the neighborhood uh, my friend had a big, I'll, I'll watch how I say this. My friend had a big deck in his backyard and mm. we would pretend the deck was a stage. And at this time in our lives, we were maybe in third grade yep. and we would put 
licensed to ill as third graders, we would put that cassette tape in a boom box and we would like lip sync and we would do the entire album, the entire album. Like we would have brooms as guitars and stuff like that. Yeah. And we would just rap the entire album on his like stage. And then his like parents would come out and like watch us or like my sister would come over. Like we'd get like a little crowd and we would bad words on it, Joe. They didn't uh, get mad at you. They were like, fine, whatever. Yeah. They were like, whatever. And then we would, we would perform, uh, me and my buddy, Dave Lazowski, we would be, it would just be the two of us, but we would do beastie boys covers with, with broom guitars and basses. The, so this this album and obviously to this day it still holds up it's freaking phenomenal yeah it's an amazing album my daughter uh mia my youngest she's 15 about a year ago she texts me out of the blue dad what what beastie boy album should i listen to and i was like i text her back i'm like what are, what are you talking like do you have a project like what are you doing and she's like well no i i just figure i need to learn some beastie boy songs to sing along with you and so I was like, oh, heck yeah. I was like, License to Ill. So she started yeah. listening to like License to Ill. And then as, like, as for fun, I bought her this awesome, like it's like this gray tie-dye, like this gray tie-dye looking shirt with the Beastie Boys uh, like logo on it where it yeah. says Beastie Boys kind of scratched out and then all their faces on it. So she like reps that at school and she, it looks, it looks badass. And so yeah, he, cool. here she is like, you know, this little you know, 14 year old singing Paul Revere wearing her beastie boy. And I'm like, Oh, like proud dad moment. So yeah. That's so so magical. His daughter. Yeah. That's like, dad, I want to connect with you over the beastie boys. (laughs) Yes. Magical Joe. Yeah. So that's my number Um, 12. I would have put it in my honorable mentions. Probably in my, like if I owned it, I never owned it. I think it is a phenomenal album front to back, but I never owned it. So it doesn't have this nostalgia for me. And when I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, but also it's their best album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, I agree with you. Just doesn't have it. It just can't be in my top 20 because I never owned it and it never hit me that, that hard because I would just listen to it at friends. Okay. Um, when I get to number eight, you'll hear my, the rap album that did do that to me. Okay. Okay. So number 12. Um, this one has crept up. <laughs> so when it came out, I was like, it was good. Then didn't listen to it for about 20 years. And then somehow I think I put it like on a, on a, birthday list and I somebody I think Amy gave it to me on CD and it was some CD that I never packed away when iTunes got going and uh-huh. it just kind of sat in my studio and then I started listening to it about two years ago I can't stop it's so good Balance of Power by Electric Light Orchestra okay so ELO it was like I think the last album they put out, like with original Electric Light Orchestra. So ELO went through a lot of member changes. ELO is like super formative band for me. Like you like Brave Saint Saturn, 
Um, it was, it's all just me tapping into that influence. Okay. So yellow, it was like really Jeff Lynn wrote most of the stuff, but then the, the drummer who I can't remember the dude's name, he stayed in the band and then they kind of switched out people, but like, what's ELO's like biggest song? Oh man, I can't even tell you. They have so many hits. Like an insane amount of hits. What would be one that like probably I would twenty know. albums? What would be one that I oh, like Mr. Blue Sky, like hey there in the avenue, there ain't a cloud in sight. Everybody quit complaining in the law. Mr. Blue Sky and um, okay, you're gonna listen to Mr. Blue Sky. Okay. You know this. Or know don't bring me down. Or, um, gee, many Christmas. They have so many hits. It's funny because when you sit here do, and doing it, and we talk about the albums that we like, your brain, yeah. my brain, same thing. I can't think of the songs that are on the album, like right off the rip, but okay. So their albums, I want to say they have two perfect albums and they're both on this list. Okay. They have hits that you can pull, like bigger hits that you pull off these albums because neither one of these albums really, I think, were big for them. Okay. But but this one, it's worked its way up there lately. It's 1980s just gold, and it's made by Jeff Lynne, who is probably, like, if I was going to pick the most genius producer and songwriter that is still alive, I would pick him. He's just freaking brilliant. Okay. So, like, if you like Tom Petty, like, think of all the people he's acted as a producer for or helped write songs for, like Tom Petty, or people he's influenced, like Ben Folds and um, just thousands of bands <laughs> influenced by Jeff Lynne. He's freaking genius. But, like, this album, so ELO went through, like, the 70s where they were a rock band playing with an orchestra. Like, they were trying to manufacture, like, I think what they felt when they heard Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles. And then it it just became its own thing. Like, where it was very well made, like, kind of this mesh of classical music with an actual orchestra and a choir with rock. So good. Like, so brilliant. Um, and then 1980s, uh, Jeff Lynne comes, comes out. There was only, I think, two original members by then, and they came out with this album, Time, which is way up on my list. <laughs> but they cut out all the orchestra and add and went with synthesizers. So they did time and then uh, an album called secret letters. Am I getting it wrong? It's not very good. Okay. Um, but then this album came out about five, five years later. It's all synthesizer, like all eighties pop, pop rock. And it's brilliant. Every song on it is a, is so good. Okay. Like if you, if you love the eighties, if you love the eighties, oh, it's so good. So that that's it. Balance right. of Power. I love this album. Yeah, and I can't like the songs are so hooky. They'll get inside of you quick. 
like my wiener. Just like Joe's wiener. We have 10 minutes to get through four songs. Two from me, okay. two from you. Let's not rush it. Let, let's, Got plenty. Let's not Russian. Yes. Let's not Russian. Let's not Russian. All right, anything. Joe. All right. My number 11. 11 is If I Should Fall from the Grace of God by the Pogues. Wow. Joe, I have some embarrassing things on, on my list so far, but you, like everything has given you street cred. Thank you, buddy. Uh, the Pogues are my top five favorite bands of all time. Shane McGowan, the troubled Irish poet slash singer for the Pogues. Freaking mm-hmm. phenomenal. This this album, Nate, uh, Nate gave to me as like a birthday gift one year. And I think the only reason I got it was because he wanted it. And so I didn't even know who the Pogues were. Nate buys the album, like buys the CD and gives it to me for my birthday. I'm like, what is this? And again, I think he just bought it for me because he, he was being nice buying me a birthday gift, but then also knew that he would be able to listen to that album all the time too. So, Smart move, Nate. Yeah. So I, I don't know how Nate got into the Pogues, but he introduced me to, you know, to this uh, album. And from the time you press play on this, it's just absolutely awesome. There are some songs on this that are like, eh, you know, like iffy, but almost every song is a banger. And um, uh, it's got a Turkish song of the damned. If I should fall from the grace of God, the, the title track is fantastic. The one that gets me and it's goofy. But if you guys want to listen to this song, it's called the broad majestic Shannon. And I don't know what it is about me. I don't know what the combination of notes, melody, lyrics, what it is. I cry every time I hear this song. I can't help but cry. And like tears of like, I don't know. it, It makes me feel a certain way. Like it makes me feel. And I, this is weird. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like, put a description. It makes me feel, like, accomplished or proud when I hear the broad, majestic Shannon. Like, just toward the end, and it's just, it's billowing up, and it's it's just going, I, I don't know, man. I just feel, like, a sense of pride, a sense of accomplishment, and that's kind of like the tears. It's almost like tears of joy type deal, but this song always makes me cry. Okay. I'm putting it on my list, Joe. Yeah. I've only heard, like, a little Pogues. I loved it, but I was never, like, uh, I was never in a place where I, like, I'm going to go buy an album of this, but I'll listen now that you can just listen to albums on iTunes yeah. or Spotify. Reese, if, if, if you ever did a deep dive on Shane McGowan, that it's a guy that I think he would be a guy that you would – almost connect with like it's he is so deep on like demons and how he like his 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 stuff the stuff that's in his closet the stuff that he's gone through like he's such like a figure and especially like you add on that little component of like irish poet yeah uh, you know so there's like a a a brendan bn type thing with him um yeah it's 
man, he's he's amazing. And even the other bands that he's gone on to do, um, uh, shoot, what what was it? Uh, he, well, he did a solo album called The Snake. Uh, he was with the uh, the Popes. Um, yeah, or like his other band, and he's just he's phenomenal in everything he does. And he's just a wreck. He is a wreck. Like people, people talk about they don't understand how. Um, who's the dude from? Man, when you get in, when you start doing these podcasts, you can't remember anything for the moment. Who's the guy that everyone talks about from like the Rolling Stones? Keith Richards. Keith Richards. People don't understand how Keith Richards is still alive. You guys, yeah. Shane McGowan makes Keith Richards. And like Ozzy Osbourne look like altar boys. Like yeah, Shane I saw him like twenty years ago, like on wreck. on Saturday Night Live, and I was like, "That guy's about to die." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's my uh, that's my what number eleven is. Yeah. If I should fall from the grace of God by the Pokes. Wonderful. Okay, I'm gonna listen to it. Uh, Joe, my 11 is Bleed American by the band Jimmy Eat World. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic album. From start to finish, it's a good album. I love, like, I loved Jimmy Eat World, and then they got kicked off their their label, which I think was Atlantic or Interscope. They got kicked off because Clarity, the album before that, which is amazing, didn't chart well. And then they just... They had, like, freedom, you know? Like, I think they still were getting paid from their last album, so they were able to pay for studio time and just make their own their their own album and try and shop it to labels. And the, they ended up getting signed back to the same label <laughs> who had to just fork over, like, a million bucks <laughs> to get them. And, like, whatever crazy deal... Um, but I love this album. The first time I heard it, I was just like, this is this is gold. Like th- every song on it, it's brilliant. The production is a bit off. Like it could be more clear, could be louder, you know, even at the time. You know, now with Pro Tools and the way you can master digitally, they can push everything way up. You know, there's, there's plugins that'll be like... This instrument is taking too much of the bass spectrum, so it just backs it off at points. So you can just crank up the volume on everything. Oh wow! That didn't exist, but I mean, they paid for it. I think they paid like sixteen thousand bucks and had their own album made, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. I like this lyrics are so beautiful. Like this song, "Hear You Me," is so. It's so wonderful. The the song, the middle, you know, like, um, gosh, they're, they're just heart wrenching. Just so cool. Yeah, great. So album. influential. Yeah. So I I loved it, and we somehow got like a leaked copy of it before it came out. We were driving. Keith and I were driving the school bus out to San Francisco to record. Um, to record Five Iron Frenzy 2 Electric Boogaloo. And we had no idea what we were going to do. We had a couple songs and we had to go in the studio and write for like a month and then record. And our friend Peter Melby, who used to do our website, gave us a copy of this that he had somehow gotten off like 
LimeWire or something, something shady. Yeah. Before before the release, and we did not stop listening to it the whole trip, and it it was all we wanted to make. Like when we made that album, was just something that sounded close to that. So I love it. It's it's so good. I I I would put it higher, except the ones that I have higher are like more nostalgic or more influential to me. So it's got 11. Didn't make the top 10. All right. So my number 10, my number 10 is Black Sunday by Cypress Hill. Really? Yes. I love Black Sunday by Cypress Hill. It was, uh, it came out my freshman year of high school. And that is one that it, the CD, like there was no way my parents, my mom would let me have that. Uh-huh. So I had, I had a tape copy. Like my buddy had the CD, did a tape for me, and I hid the tape in in the car under the seat. And then when I was in the car, because I shared a car with my sister and my mom, and then I would take the tape out and then pop that in the old uh, Ford Taurus wagon tape deck and um i just i loved it it was it was rap for me growing up was beastie boys and run dmc which i consider like party rap type you know yeah. type stuff like it's talking a it's rap but it's talking about girls and hanging with your buddies that was like 80s rap and then like cypress hill was like the first time that it started to move into like that gangster rap and like you yeah. started actually, you know, like yes, NWA and Ghetto Boys and all those guys have been going, but for me and my circle of friends, we didn't listen to that. That that wasn't that wasn't on our plate. Like I remember, like NWA and Two Live Crew, like Two Live Crew was like that novelty album that came out that was so dirty and like pornographic. Yeah, And at the time, like NWA had come out, Ghetto Boys. So in my little suburban kid brain, all that was just kind of lumped together as in like almost like shock value. Yeah, it kind of should be. So, I mean, those guys, some there was some good stuff, but like it was shock value. Yeah. Um, now, like later on in life, I wouldn't put two live crew, Ghetto Boys and NWA together. Like NWA and Ghetto Boys definitely – were making like branching out and making a whole new genre of music, which would in the nineties was described as like the, the gangster rap. Right. And so like Cypress Hill was the first band that I started listening to the first like rap group that I was listening to in the nineties where it like brought that in where it was like, it was talking about like marijuana. It was talking about guns running from the cops, that type of thing. But they also had this like melody and this style that went with mm-hmm. them that I really, really, really enjoyed Cypress Hill. And even over the years, like I still listen to him. And man, I'm not a big enough guy in like into rap, and I can't sit here and, and go back through the history of rap with anybody. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just know what I like. And yeah, and that that Black Sunday album, it just brought in like a different culture. It brought in you know, like the Latino culture, it brought in 
like all sorts of things there, like all sorts of different sounds and loops and samples and things like that. And it was just, uh, I just enjoyed that album so much. Um, and so like, as far as like, like when you bring in the rap influences in my life, like that is definitely up there. I like that you've picked in your top 23 rap albums. It's pretty cool. I guess if you, you didn't put Kid Rock. You put Eminem. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so three. I like that, Joe. I had like just one rap album that made my top twenty, but I have like three in my honorable in my honorable mention. mentions. Yeah, that's cool, Joe. I'll listen to that album. I don't think I've ever listened to anything but like their couple singles. Yeah. For Cypress Hill. Um. So for me, number ten. This was tough. Because this is not a perfect album. This band does not have any perfect albums. Um, and it's kind of how they wrote, how they put together their albums. Like they they all worked on writing stuff and then they just be like, okay, this is this guy's song. So it's it's Queen, who is my favorite band of all time. And this is not my favorite album of all time. It's number 10, but it... I think is their best album. They have amazing songs all all over the place. Yeah. But like it's, I, I, Queen 1 and 2, their first couple albums, not my favorite, but there's good they're like it's hints of musical brilliance. But by the time they got to this album, they wrote the what I think is the greatest song of all time, Bohemian Rhapsody. It is almost a six minute song there's no chorus there's no verse like you could be like well this is the bridge this metal part but not really it's just a bunch of different parts they all fit together it's amazing lyrically it's amazing musicianship it is like freddie mercury is hands down in my opinion the greatest performer and best vocalist of all time and this song i think has reached number one for three different decades yeah it's unbelievable how amazing this band was and how good especially bohemian rhapsody but there's about six amazing songs on it there's one that's kind of shit i'm in love with my car which is like um yeah, um, not Brian May, uh, Roger Dalton, the the drummer. Like he would get a song on every album, and this is like you're like, oh, that's the Roger song. It kind of sucks. <laughs> He'd sing it too, you know. Like, and Homeboy's a good singer. It just feels out of place, and it's not bad, you know. Like if it was a different band, you'd be like, that's a, you know, like if it was Boston, you'd be like, yeah, that's cool. He is in love with his car. That's a rad song. But it's the greatest band of all time to me. (laughs) And I'm like, get that off there. Come on, dude. He did write some good songs later. Um, I don't know. It's funny. If you watch Bohemian Rhapsody, the the movie, they make fun of it a couple times (laughs) of this song. They're just like, oh, come on. Like Mike Myers' character is trying to get it as their single, and they're like, no, do Bohemian Rhapsody. 
it, that movie is amazing too, especially that scene because Mike Myers is playing the record executive right. and he's like, no teenagers are going to be listening to this while they're driving around in their car, <laughs> banging their heads or whatever, <laughs> which is, it's like so many levels of irony because he made it chart at number one in the nineties, yeah. you know, because of Wayne's world. Yeah. And he's playing that guy. <laughs> He single-handedly did that, which is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that movie. Um, I love Queen so much, so I had to get this in there, even though there's no perfect Queen album. Um, this is my favorite of them all. But I, I would just say, if you guys want to check out Queen, start with this and and keep listening. Yeah. Jazz is good. Sheer Heart Attack, A Day at the Races, Hot Fuss, maybe not so much. Innuendo is okay. The Game is amazing. I don't know. Some of their later stuff, it's okay. But like, rock history. All right, I'm done. Well, that's that's a good number 10. So the last one for me for this episode, my number nine is... No effects, punk in Drublick. Oh, Joe. Good choice. Punk, this is also on my list. Punk in Drublick comes in at number nine for me. Just amazing. The bruise. The bruise is the first one that I really that I, I loved. And I got it. Like with this album, whenever over the decades that I've listened to it, over the years that I've listened to it, there's always a different song that grabs me. And so uh, I loved the bruise when I first heard it. And that's what like I heard at somebody's house. And then I was like, what album is this? And then I went out and got it. Um, I love um, uh, what, what's the song? Uh, Speak ever so soft. Couldn't Wouldn't want to break the eggs we walk. You can remember Never alone. Cautious afraid. I hear the voice of reason on the P. Oh, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. There you go. Yep. So, uh, love, leave it alone. The bruise, uh, linoleum. Um, yeah. Uh, Je- what is it? Jeff don't wear regular shoes, Birkenstocks or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then Lori Myers used to live upstairs. You know, like that. Perfect. Yeah, that like that whole album, just fantastic. The way. Fat Mike's voices, that is like, that's like that punk sound that I think everybody, like for years and years and years, that was that punk sound that like everybody went for it was just that, that nasally yep. sound. And it's just, it's so simple. Like their songs are so simple, like three, four chords, easy stuff. Like nothing is crazy. And then, like when when El Jefe joined the band, he kind of brought in like yeah. a little bit of lead, and yeah. you know, kind of. I think it's documented. Um, you know, like he he taught them actually how to like tune their guitars yeah. and things like that. They they were not very good before El Jefe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people like it because it's like dirtier punk, and I think they, you know, like in the '90s, that was a huge thing. Like, were you? You know, like, were you a sellout or not? And I think this album, for no effects, it it went, like, platinum. And I think they were embarrassed about it. Like, their their albums after that are kind of fighting 
against that, like to go back to their punk roots. Yeah. But you're right. El Jefe, like, doubled the talent in that band. They, they got so good at doing what they do and got so good at writing extremely catchy, quick punk songs that yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Fat Mike on it. And in order, just like you said, they got so good at doing what they did where they were selling tons to make it seem like they were worse than they are. They started, I, I don't know. I forget when I heard this, heard him say this. So I can't remember if it was five years ago or 10 years ago, but whatever album they were working on, they would do the song once and record it. Wow. So to get that like old school punk punk sound that they wanted they would they would like work up a song and they'd be like we're gonna do this this it's gonna go from this to this blah 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 they would play it together one time and then they'd hit record and that's what they kept for the album that's the thing i hate about no effects like that they're all they're always like you they're wearing that guilt on their sleeve for being good I hate that about them because they're so good. They're so good and they're just like, oh, I don't want this popularity or I don't want to sell a million albums. Yeah, You know, like, and they're always trying to just be offensive or Fat Mike saying offensive things from stage just to, like, get under people's skin. Like, they're being rebellious because they they don't want to be who they are. When they let themselves be that, though, they're amazing, which I think you're yeah. right. Punk and Drublick is number six for me, and that's why. It's like it solidified my love of ska. Like, the no effects going into ska on that, I was just like, this is the sound I want. You know, like, yeah. this, it's so awesome. And and even then, like, they, they hated that, too. Like, they didn't want to be associated with ska, they, you know, like, but this album, it kind of, they were just like, I think let's make the best album we can. They got a good producer. They had a good budget. And then I think surprised themselves by how popular it was. Yeah. But you should listen to, have you heard Frank Turner versus, or No Effects versus Frank Turner? No. It just came out. No. It's amazing. Do you ever listen to Frank Turner? No. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Yes, if you like the Pogues, you will like Frank Turner. Okay. Listen to it. It's them covering each other's songs. So the no effects stuff, them covering Frank Turner, it's them, again, trying to be sloppy on purpose because they don't want to be good because they don't like that, which is dumb. Yeah. I hate that. I hate this about no effects because you'll hear it, anything after Punk and Drublick, and you're like, Dude, I know you guys can be tighter. I know this could be better. Like, you don't have to sound like as you don't have to be as polished as Bad Religion, but like, you can do this, and you don't have to be embarrassed of it. You don't have to say things that are offensive just to get under our skin. Like, there's bands that are already doing that. Yeah. Like, just write good songs. Um, shoot, uh, self entitled was their album that came out i think in 2016 have you heard that no i haven't i haven't heard i haven't heard any no effects albums like past like war on errorism okay which is good but it's also they're like hoppling themselves 
because of it. Like Franco on American is good. So long and thanks for all the shoes. Heavy Petting Zoo made my list of honorable mentions. The Decline. Like if you listen to The Decline, it's 18 minutes. It's one song. Just going for 18 minutes and you're like, this is going to suck. But it doesn't. Yeah. I think they were just like, like, Fat Mike is a really good lyricist. Yes, he is. I'm, it, he's not the best singer, but, like, he can be. And there's autotune, like, if he lets it happen, but I don't think he wants to because he's like, no, it's not, it's not legit. It's not punk. Yeah. That stuff, I'm so glad that that part of punk and ska is dead. Or at least for me it is. Like, I don't care. I don't care if people know I like ABBA. Screw it. You know, like, I'm not I'm not legit. Like, I never was a legit punk rocker. I was never a legit skateboarder. I was not legit metalhead. You know, like, I was listening to Striper. Yeah. But I like me, and I like the things I like. I like you too, Reese. Thanks, Joe. So I, I agree to you. Punk and Droblick for me was six. So um, what's your number my, nine? My number nine is probably going to be in your top ten, I'm going to guess. Okay. And Out Come the Wolves by Rancid. That was actually one of my honorable mentions. Dang it. Yeah. But I, I, I love that album. I, absolutely. Uh-huh. I love that album. So I think Rancid also did this. I think they went, they made an Outcome the Wolves, which is a perfect album. And then they, they got embarrassed by the success. Yeah. So the, the album after this, Life Won't Wait, honorable mention. It's really good ska. And it, and like, I think they recorded in Jamaica. They were like, let's go try and make something with uh, like a lot of, uh, dance hall and ska influence. Mm-hmm. Sweet. But like, if anyone on here like wants to say like ska should have died out in the eighties, it would have, if not for Tim Armstrong. Yeah. Like I think, I think Op Ivy and then Rancid kind of bringing back like the, the ska influences of the clash. It, it is why there was a third wave. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so this album, it's like lyrically, I think it's brilliant. There's no bad songs on it. It's still just just raw punk rock, but it's produced well enough that you're just not getting caught up on like, oh, they could have fixed that. It sounds like they tried really hard. Like it sounds like this is the Fleetwood Mac of punk rock. You know, this is rumors, and it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, the reason it made my <coughs> my um, honorable mention is I love the album. Absolutely love it. They did put themselves in a trick bag because after Dookie came out, they said no punk band should ever sell a million records. And they're Rancid said this. Yeah, Rancid said it like quoted yeah. in like an AP or a spin magazine. They were like, if you're a punk band, you should never sell more than a million records. And then like six months later, out come the wolves comes out and that explodes. Yeah. They have songs on MTV, they have all that. I love that album. Love Ruby Soho, Time Bomb, all that stuff. Um, Maxwell Murder, one of the best bass solos. 
is in Maxwell Murder. Yes. Uh, freaking phenomenal bass solo uh, that, that Matt kicks out in that. And the only reason that I don't, I can't put that in my top 10 or top 20 is because there's like 26 songs or 28 songs on that album. Right. And from song like 13 on, it kind of just sounds the same. Uh-huh. So if you put that album in, it's like Time Bomb comes on, you're singing Black Shoes, Black Hat, Cadillac, yeah. When Ruby Soho comes on, you're singing that. You're singing all these songs. And by the time you get to song 14, 15. You're exhausted. You're exhausted. I don't know any of those songs because I usually hit stop by then. Uh-huh. So I don't think I've ever heard, uh, you know, song 24, whatever that is, you know, like all of those. I didn't get that far. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It is. It was super influential to me. And maybe in the artwork with the. Ex- yeah, the artwork's so rad. Artwork is I just. I think. I mean, if you see if you see a dude like our age wearing a sleeveless Outcome the Wolves shirt, I feel like I know everything that that dude went through. Yeah, I'm like I'm there with you, buddy. Like we we've gone through all of this together. Yeah, Tim Tim Armstrong, I think, is also just a victim of like this self loathing. Like he hates his own success. I don't know if he's come to terms with it but like he's always you know like he's had substance abuse problems he keeps like you know like rancid after life won't wait i think they really went back into just trying to sound gutter punk again which to me is fine if that's the sound they loved but it seemed to me like it was just them pushing back against their own success and that bothers me because they're like the reason they were successful is this was good. Like they're good. It It is one of the best punk albums of all time. Yeah. It is so well made, so well produced, so well played. The songs like Olympia is, it, it just grabs your guts. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, like junkie man, Ruby Soho, amazing, yep. just incredible songs. Um, I don't know. The only punk album that I love more is Punk and Trouble, which made six for me. And I and I think it's just taste, you know, like I love Punk and Trouble is, I think, 13 songs. It's shorter. Yeah, I agree with you. This has too many songs, but they're all good. They just you're right. After a while, it starts to sound the same. It's it's all good though. Now, are you familiar with Rancid's Indestructible album? I don't think I've listened to it. See, so that that for me, like I agree with you that Out Come the Wolves, they fought back and they tried not to be popular. And I feel yeah. Indestructible is where they were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's make another great album. And I think the Indestructible album is phenomenal. Like I think. Outcome the Wolves, as far as like the influence and what it did for the scene and what it caught, what it did for for punk music, Outcome the Wolves is fantastic. If you ask me what my favorite Rancid album is, it's Indestructible. Okay, yeah, that that is such a good album, such a good album. Give that a listen. 
especially like um, I don't know if you're a runner and this is funny I'm not a runner but like I'll get on the elliptical and I'll do you know a few miles yeah and you put you put indestructible on and just press play and you just run at the pace of the music it's fantastic it's a great running it's a great album to run to okay it's song after song it's it's good stuff so I think after life won't wait um they came out with the one with the skull on it it's like another self-titled. Like they had their first album was self-titled. They call it Rancid Five on iTunes. Okay. It's it's kind of gutter punk, which is not my thing. And I was like, ah, I don't like it. And then I listened to Honors All We Know. Same. It bothered me. Like it was like too too guttery punk. Like too. I mean that stuff is fine. I like it for a song or two, but an album is just like I'm exhausted. Yeah. So. I did not listen to Indestructible. I kind of am holding them in my in my heart, like after Life Won't Wait. Just keeping it those four no, albums. No, listen to Indestructible. It it goes back to it goes back to like Outcome the Wolves. Okay. You're you're gonna enjoy it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, you guys. We have gotten cool. through. We have gotten through our top well we have eight left to go we're gonna do that on another one reese and i we're gonna go we were gonna go about two hours today we've gone about two and a half i got stuff to do i got a bathroom to clean i have a humidifier on a, on a furnace that i have to figure out um all sorts of stuff so yeah i think we're gonna i'm freezing my ass off Dan. yeah you look my hot solo so we're gonna we're gonna call this all right man. all right you guys have love you guys have a good one see you Was that good? <laughs> oh, good. Okay, stop. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.